the ring was my my safe place. That's I mean, believe it or not, like no, getting hit, punching somebody was my safe place. That's I, that's how difficult that struggling. That's how much the struggle was, you know, outside the ring. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Allison Interviews Podcast. On this episode, I have a very special guest. He is legendary boxing great Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya won an Olympic gold medal in boxing. He is ranked the 38th best boxer of all time. In my personal opinion, I think he's much higher on the list than that, but that's okay. He also won 11 world titles in six different weight classes. So he was really at the top of his game and everybody remembers him back in the day as who they called the golden boy of boxing. You know, Mike Tyson was kind of just like a wrecking machine, <laughs> but Oscar De La Hoya was, he was every bit a superior fighter in the ring, but he had that adorable, handsome face, kind of like a baby face Nelson kind of a thing, you know? He was just, he was handsome, he was charming, he was adorable, and he was just incredible in, in the boxing ring. And he has a documentary that's coming out on HBO and on Max. It'll be streaming on Max as well on July 24th. And this is a two-part documentary film about his life and his boxing career. And I have to tell you, I've watched a lot of documentaries, I've read a lot of biographies, obviously because of what I do. This two-part documentary about Oscar is one of the most raw, no-holds-barred, just real and honest documentary films I've ever seen. And when you watch this film, it, it covers Oscar's life in a way, and this is from his perspective because he does quite a lot of interviews throughout the film. He really does not have anything to hide or anything to defend, and he's not trying to uphold an image. If anything, he kind of tears down that image and starts from scratch, and he says, hey, everything that you think you know about me, everything that you think you know about my career and my image and who I am, forget all of that. None of it was true. I'm going to now tell you the real story. And the real story is intense and it's an emotional roller coaster and it's about a young man who grew up in a home that was it's i don't want to say that it wasn't loving because you know everybody loves their children in the best way that they know how but we all come from our own trauma and our own life circumstances and he really had a very very rough beginning i don't want to give it all away but suffice to say if any of you are parents out there and your children are four five six years old you can't even imagine what it would be like for yourself or even for your child to be, I'll give one little tidbit away, to be in a boxing ring performing as a boxer in amateur boxing matches at the tender age of six years old, training to be a professional boxer when you are barely out of diapers. There was just no room for anything emotional or anything tender or loving during his upbringing. And it really set the stage for the rest of his life. And did he become everything that his father wanted him to be and more? Absolutely. However, a lot of the scars and a lot of the trauma that Oscar de la Hoya went through 
and he experienced, he's still kind of working through today. And it's really beautiful during the conversation. You can see that he really is in a very good place. He's at a, a place of peace. He's a very kind man. We had a pretty deep conversation and we covered a lot of stuff that is uh, very inspirational, but also a lot of things that um, are a little bit haunting and, and, not, and not so great. But he was very, very honest with me. And I appreciated that. That means the world to me. So with all of that being said, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this very meaningful and interesting interview with boxing great Oscar de la Hoya. So I actually want to start with something a little unconventional. When I was telling my team who I was interviewing next, one of them made a comment to me and the comment was, they said, oh, he's a somebody. And my first reaction was like, yeah, he is, you know, and then afterwards I started thinking about it and I'm like, and, and the reason I bring this up is because it's relevant to the documentary. I'm thinking like, what makes someone somebody, right? Right. Like, <laughs> is it how much money you have? Is it how popular you are? Is it like, how many people show up to your funeral? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or, or is it how many people, like, do you have people in your life who love you, not because of what you could give them mm -hmm. or because of what you've achieved, but simply because sure. of who you are, like your heart, your essence. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, we're, we're all somebody, right? Um, and it's funny, it's funny you say that because, I was always somebody when I was at the height of my career, when I got back to the Olympics and won world titles. And like, I, I felt I was somebody to everybody. Like everybody knew who I was. Everybody like knew, okay, the golden boy, Oscar, my God, the gold medalist, the world champion. So I was somebody. And now that I'm going through this process of, of finding myself, right. It's like, I don't need that. I don't need that validation anymore. You know, it's like, of course I'm somebody, I'm somebody to somebody who loves me. I'm somebody to somebody who really cares for me and wants to make time to know me. And, you know, so that's what I care about. Like, that's who I'm somebody to now. I'm not just somebody because I'm the golden boy, you know, Right. I feel like in your film, that's all you like when you were talking about your life from childhood and then through the height of your career and everything, it was like, that's all you wanted. You right. wanted someone to say, I love you. I see you. I hear right. you. You're important to me just because you're you. Sure. And all these years, I was just going through the motion, training, fighting, making appearances, media, this, that, getting pulled left and right traveling. And I just never had the chance to say, you know, hello, I'm right here. Yeah. You know who I really am? Do you, do you care to even know? And the years go by so fast when you're living that moment every single day, every single minute, literally of my life. I was always surrounded by people all the time. And a lot of times people that I didn't even know. And so what people have to realize is that when you're by yourself and you have those thoughts in your head and where people are not pulling you left and right and, and you're not the golden boy, like, who are you? You know? I, and so after I retired from boxing, I kind of lost myself. I, I lost my identity. I lost 
I lost who I was, this conditioned kid at six years old who had to be the champion of the world for everybody. Um, that was crazy to me, by the way, that yeah. in the beginning of the docuseries, when there's video footage of you as a six-year-old in a boxing ring fighting in amateur fights. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a son and <laughs> I'm looking back to when he was in first grade and I'm like, right. how like, like was that just like your normal? At that age, like you didn't it, know anything it, different? It became normal. It became normal because that's that's exactly what I had to do. That's what my father forced me to do. And at that age, when I first won, when I, when I won my first uh, fight at six years old, yeah. like my life changed. It was crazy. My life changed because now, and I can feel it as I get older, I'm talking about like 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm feeling like my my family changing towards me. Now I become like this commodity, mm-hmm. you know? Like, wait, if I help little Oscar right now as a kid and buy him like some boxing gloves or little little hand wraps, then maybe he'll remember and he can like, he can, he can help me out when he's older, when he has money, when like I felt like that all my mm-hmm. life. Wow. So... It, it's so interesting that you say that because my son is and he's a basketball player, but I always make sure to say, like, I'm proud of you just because you're you. The basketball sure. is great because he practices 24 hours a day. Uh-huh. Uh, like The basketball is great. Or if you get a good grade in school, that's great. But I'm proud of you just because yeah. you're you. And I and I think that that's so important. And. And I, I don't know if you have anybody in your life who says that to you now. I would I would hope that you do, you know. Yeah, I have one, my girlfriend, my one person that tells me. I mean, she's my best friend now. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, it's not funny, but when she tells me all the time, like, my gosh, you're doing great. You're good. You're a great person. You're, I'm proud of you. And there's there's a part of me that's like, wait, why are you telling me this? Are you sure? You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's that, it's that kid that wants to come out and because I was conditioned so much, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, it wasn't love back then. It was just like, okay, you know, like Oscar's the chosen one. Let's see what we can, let's see what we can get out of it. Well, and so it, it was prophetic in a way, like your father said to you, you're the one you're going to take us out of these circumstances. But what's crazy about it is that you did become extraordinarily wealthy and you did, in fact, then go back and give back to the people of East L.A. Right. And it's like that's 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 a lot to put on a kid. But at the same time, he was right. It's a very exactly, you know, Yeah, it it is very strange. And it's those exact demons that I had to be fighting with all the time. The confusion. My life has been so confusing because I wasn't, I wasn't like brought up and like nobody gave me a handbook after I won the gold medal. I was 18 years old. Like nobody gave me a handbook and say, okay, this is what your life is going to be. This is, these are the correct decisions you're going to make. This is right from wrong. Like nobody ever explained to me what life is all about. Like I, I never had my mother sit me down or my father tell me, son, you know, this is going to happen in life. And like, I never had that. I I had to learn along the way, and when you and, and learning we, along the way with 
when you're, I think you said you were in your, in your, how old were you when you got your first $20 million check? Wow. I was like 22. Okay. So you're 22. You're learning along the way and you're given this huge sum of money and no instructions on like how to navigate that. Right. Uh, And all I want to do is just have fun. All I want to do is like, (laughs) of course. People yeah. who have who are around me, let's like, let's go, let's go travel, let's do this. And like, it's reckless. Yeah, it's reckless, and I'm just like very fortunate that I'm even still alive. I mean, it's it's been. I think I think I've thought about committing suicide three times. I think I've been depressed like ten times over in my life, and luckily I did have boxing for an outlet. I mean, that's the ring was my my safe place. That's, I mean, believe it or not, like no, getting get hit, it. punching somebody was my safe place. That's, that's so how did. difficult that struggling. That's how much the struggle was, you know, outside the ring. So, like, is it that you were in the zone when you when you, when you were doing that? Like everything else went away, and you're in the zone, or is it a, a way to get the anger and the rage out? Yeah, it's a way to get the anger and the rage out. I mean, I remember. I remember picturing my mom's face in in my opponents, like to literally like just get angry. That's how bad it was at one point. And it's I'm lucky that I was able to manage it and to kind of control it just inside the ring, to have it inside the ring, not outside the ring, because who knows what I would have done, you know. I mean, who knows? So when I interviewed Mike Tyson years ago, and I'll and he said to me something that I always sometimes like when People tell me things and I, you, I always remember them. He said, uh, he said, I, I came to the conclusion at a young age that you can't be the best and be happy. So I chose to be the best and sacrifice my happiness. Mm, yeah. Is that something that you can identify with or that you agree with? I, I do agree with it now, but I didn't, I didn't realize what was happening as I was becoming this, this world champion, as I was becoming an Olympic gold medalist, as I was winning. I didn't really understand why I was winning and I didn't understand why, why I, I have this anger. Like I, I didn't really know it back then. It was just all normal. You know, I, I was, I was abused at home physically and emotionally, but I just, I, I just kept living my life. I, I, you know, I would go to school as a kid and I was, I was always the quiet one. I never spoke. I was the shy one, the kid who never had money or always made fun of. And boxing, for a strange reason, was was my happy place. It's like the, it's it's where I can get beat up and and hit you back. It it, it yeah. it's yeah psychologically it kind of like screwed with me. But I I never I never thought that I I never thought that I was I never thought that I was unhappy. You know, not once in my life. I just never thought that. It was so normal to be who I was as a kid, you know. I want to talk about fatherhood. You have three, you have three kids? I have six kids. Six kids. Okay. Yeah, I have three older kids and three younger kids. Okay. So there's three older kids were in the documentary. They were interviewed. Your first child, Atiana, with Shanna Mm -hmm. Mogler. What was it about, and, and I'm asking about her to start with because she was your firstborn. What was it about fatherhood that first time around that spooked you to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to give this over to 
Shanna and to Travis Barker. And I'm just going to kind of divorce myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from this situation, even though I'm of, you know, I'm able-bodied, I'm alive, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same city. Sure. What happened? I basically, yeah, I basically ran away. I basically was scared. I was fearful. I was, um, I did try to be a father like full time for a few years and it was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. It was, I mean, to, to raise a little girl and, but there, there came a point where it's like, you ask yourself, wait a minute, like you're not worthy of this. You know, you, you tell, you try to convince yourself that you're not worthy of this, that, that love is not possible, you know, in your life because of, of what I lived of not receiving that love when I was a kid, like, like my father never told me he loved me. My mother never told me she loved me. She never like really gave me a hug. And, you know, uh, I mean, when I would cry, she would start hitting me. That's how bad it was. But Give you the like, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, I got that all the time. <laughs> I got that all the time. But it's like, you know, I, 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 I know I am this nice guy and I know I can be a father. But then there comes a point where it's like, then you try to convince yourself, wait a minute. No, this is, no, this is not you. This is, this is scary. This is like, you're not worthy of this. Like, like you know, you're not, you're not worthy of giving love. And then you start feeling sorry for yourself and then your life just starts spiraling and then mm-hmm. you're lost. And then all you do is want to drink and do drugs and this and that and escape. Luckily for me, when I was boxing, when I was fighting all the way to the end, you know, it, it kept me in line. Like I didn't, I didn't use drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't until the last fight with Manny Pacquiao. That's when I like, that's when I knew it was over. And I started drinking, but I I always felt like I wasn't worthy of anything. I always I always felt I wasn't worthy of 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 love. Wow! So it's like you have this little baby or this toddler who's looking up at you, and you feel like I'm not worthy to 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 raise this child. I'm not worthy to to call myself father of this. Yeah, I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve wow. it. Yeah. Did you check in with them over the years to see how she was oh, yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I mean, I was, I was always there, but not there, you know? It okay. was, you know, yeah, it was, it wasn't like your typical, okay, you know, relationship with the father, the mother and 24 seven. It wasn't like that. But yeah, I'm obviously, She's my daughter, and I, 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 I love her. And and you know, you, you have to check in. Obviously, you have to. You worry. You have to. Even though I was a part, I was. I felt I was. I was always close. You know. Okay. Um, but I just didn't feel like I was worthy enough to to do the job. Okay, I get it because I when I first, when I was watching and I you know I'm looking at looking at Atiana and I'm looking at Jacob and Devin and I'm thinking. You know, as a parent, I'm thinking, like, how do you do that? How do you do that? And my mind is going to a judgmental place. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to have compassion. And I want to, because there's always a reason, right? There's always a reason why. And childhood trauma is more times than not the reason. Sure. So, I mean, like, how do you approach fatherhood now 
as an older man with younger children? How is it different now? Yeah, um, I'm worthy of it. I'm right here. You know, they're older kids now, and it's like, and or young adults, and I let them know that I love them. I every time I see them, I hug them, I kiss them, I do whatever I can. The one thing that I that I've realized is that life is all about balance now. You know, everything's about balance. You know, I can't, I can't. There was a point where it's like, okay, my kids would ask for something, and I would be the first one to like give them money. Here you go. Do whatever you want. I'll buy you a car, this, that. So that was the guilt in me yeah. of, of those years that I was absent, right? And so, but now it's like, it's all balanced now. Now it's like, now it's about giving my kids information, you know, knowledge, balance, balancing everything out. My, my other kid, Jacob, what, um, just recently told me that I want, I need a, I want a job. I want to work at, at your company. I was like, no. You're not. You can't. I, 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 you don't, first of all, you don't, you're not trained for this. You, I put you through school, through college, through SC to go learn business. And, you know, and, and he got so pissed off at me, this and that, and third And then, like, a few months later, I mean, we were in contact, but a few months later, he goes, Dad, thank you. I have a job now. I'm, I'm like this tech traveling the world. And so it's like, okay. there's tough love, there's good love. It's, it's all balance. You know, and it's all balance. And the fact that I've, the fact that I've not given up on myself allows me today to be present. And that's what I'm very, you know, very grateful for, because if I didn't take care of myself, then who knows where I would be? Who knows where, what type of relationship I would have with my kids? Who knows? Maybe I would self-destruct, who knows? But I'm glad that I just, I got the bull by the horns, you know? Have you forgiven your dad for, I guess, what you feel is, you know, that, that you, you didn't get, you didn't get, I guess, a conventional childhood. I mean, where are you with that? So, so I'll start with my mother. Okay. Because she passed in 90 and 91. And so just recently, a few years ago, I went to my mom's grave and I had this big old letter, you know, 10 pages and so I go to her grave and I just start crying. And the first words from my mouth were, I, 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 I fucking hate you. Like I was so emotional of, of, of just what she did to me, like, you know, and the love that she didn't give me. But at the end, I was just so compassionate. And I told her, mom, you know what? Thank you. And I love you. And, and I felt so free. So I took care of that relationship there. Right. Yeah. And so with my father, he's still alive. He's still, he's still a hard ass. He's still like who he is. I mean, you saw him on the film. He's yeah. a hard man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so also, it's funny because all the, like all these recent years, like I've been wanting to tell my father, I love you, you know? And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. And I would, I, I would play it, play it in my head and, 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 and in my head, I always thought that he's going to like, just say, what the hell are you talking about? What are you yeah. telling me? I love you for like, we're men, we're macho. And so I remember one day, a few years ago, going up to him and I was like, you know what, dad, I love you. And I, I, I got him, I, 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 I hugged him and he told me back, I love you. And he started crying. And oh. so it was like, it wasn't this, in my head, I thought he was going to punch me. 
in my head, I kept on playing like over and over. Oh my God, he's going to tell me something like, you know, man up or, you know, we don't use love in our household, you know, mm-hmm. but it was the opposite. And so now it's like, so I freed myself from my father now, you know, like now I'm okay with it. Now, now I'm okay with my father. Uh, when he told me he loves me, I'm okay with him now. It's like, now I understand that that's, that's how he grew up. Yeah. That's what he learned. That's who he is. I'm not going to be that person. So I'm I'm free from, yeah, I'm free from my past demons. And why well, I, I, I did a lot of work. I had to work a lot. I had to do a lot of therapy. I had to do, I went through rehab. I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. maybe because I didn't belong there or I did belong there, but I, I did it. And all that work, you know, it's like, it, it, it gives you the courage to just, you know, be yourself. Yeah. So that narrative in the film and in your career, where at the beginning of your career, you won the gold medal, you started winning all these championships and every interview you do, they would ask you about your mom and they would say, oh, your mom's dying wish was that you would win the gold medal. And that was that was the narrative that was kind of packaged together. And you made a point to say in the film, it was all bullshit. Was, that was the whole lie. Yeah. That was all a lie. Who who manufactured that that whole thing? Like who put that together? It just happened. It just happened. I remember when I won the gold medal, I was on I was on the podium and the national anthem was playing and I was just numb. I was like, I didn't know I, I couldn't cry, I couldn't laugh, I couldn't smile. I was just like picturing her face, like just numb. And I got out of the ring and the, 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 the commentator, I think it was on NBC, told me, so how, so how do you feel after doing it for your mom? And that's when it's like, that's when it took off. It's like, I, I just, I just, I was like, okay, I'm this shy kid. I'm this kid from East LA who big media, you know, it's like instant success. Like, I don't know how to act in front of the camera. I don't know how to, what to say or. So you just go with it. You just go and, with it. And yeah. it just becomes like, it, it, it becomes overwhelming. And it's like, now, now that everybody's saying it, like, you don't want to say, wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't say that. You don't want to disappoint people. Right, yeah. right, right. So yeah, it all just became like this, like this, this lie, this, yeah. There, my favorite line in the whole film, and I don't, I'm, I don't remember the gentleman who said it, you probably do. Somebody who was being interviewed said, there's nothing more powerful than telling the truth. And I I love that. Do you know who it was who said that in the film? We said, there's nothing more powerful than telling the truth. It might have been uh, Don Cholain Rivero, who was my trainer. Okay. At the time. Uh, yeah, he was, he trained me for one of my big fights. I think it was the Julio Cesar Chavez fight. And they called him the professor. Okay. And, and it was somebody that I looked up to very much. Yeah. I I love that line because once you tell the truth, it's like for better or for worse, you're free because yeah. no, nobody can hold anything over your head anymore. Exactly. You, you know? set yourself free and, you know, living a life for all these years. I mean, look, it's, it's, I've always been living for somebody else and I finally can live for myself and it's never too late. Yeah. It's just never too late. And I'm living my life and I'm living my life where I have, there's nothing on me anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm who I am, whether you like me or not. It's like, this is who I am. 
you know, and, and I'm not that bad of a guy, <laughs> you know? So with Golden Boy Promotions, because you struggled with, you struggled with mental health, you struggled with substance abuse, you, you struggled a lot sure. throughout your athletic career. Do you, do you stay on top of the mental and overall well-being of your fighters that you promote? Sure. And, and I, I give help to the fighters who ask for it. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think we're living a different time and, and it's, it's a, obviously a whole new generation where there is more compassion, where there is more love, you know, in, in the household. But still, when you're a fighter, when you're winning tournaments and and when you're put in that pedestal and you have that pressure in you i can i mean i can't imagine what they're going through so if you ask me for help i'm yeah. gonna be more than happy to to help you out and give you my experience and my take on what i lived but you only have to ask for it like i can't i can't force it upon you you know i yeah. can't be i can't come in and say well, you know, I live this and I live that. And so therefore you should live like this too. Like it's, you know, no, it's like the way it works is you have to, you have to ask it yourself. And that's exactly what I did after so many years. I'm 50 years old and I'm finally, I finally asked for help. So right. it's never too late. So I want to ask you about, because it was in the film, I want to ask you about some of the sexual assault lawsuits that came your way i don't get it it's it's confusing to me it doesn't jive with the person i'm looking at right now like i see a very gentle pure soul sure sure and so i'm trying to understand what is that about is it that you are just maybe not cued into somebody else's body language or how they're how they're feeling, their nonverbal communication cues, because you're just you're just up here and you're just not thinking about the other person per se. But it's it's not something that's intentional. Like, what is it? Where's the disconnect? What's what was going on there? No, look. First of all, I mean, I would never, I would never kill a fly or even, you yeah. know, if I see an ant out of place in the floor, I'll like, you know, that's just who I am. But. <laughs> I, I think that look, I put myself in situations where I where I was where I was vulnerable, I think. You know, like for instance, okay, you have this kid, young, money, you know, he's outgoing, this, that, you know, it's like if I put myself in a situation where people are gonna think, oh shoot, wait, I can take advantage of this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not that person, you know. I'm not, it's just I'm it's just not me, you know, and and so yeah. when it, when you but 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 if you put yourself in that in that situation, then then somebody's bound to take advantage of you. Somebody's bound to take advantage of that situation of that kid who is naive, who is young, who has money, who you know, and and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I I've never laid my hands on anybody. I I, I it's I would never ever do. That. I would never mistreat anybody. It's just not in my nature. It's. It's not the way I I I grew up. I didn't see that in my household. I didn't I didn't see that my father, my mother, they they had a distant relationship, but they, it was never abusive. It was never phys- it was never physical. It was never, you know, so I didn't grow up with that. On the contrary, it's like 
All I needed was love. All, all I needed was a hug. That's all. So all these accusations or whatever, that's all they were is accusations. Were you targeted financially? Is that, is that, oh, what, what, well, what, well, that was the goal. I, I, I yeah. would assume, I would okay. assume that was the goal, but you know, there's, there's a reason why, you know, things were dropped or things were, you know, were dropped by the system or whatever. I mean, it's, there's reasons for that. I mean, I've, I've just, it's anybody who knows me that would never, ever, ever be me. Okay. And do you pray? And if so, who or what do you pray to? I used to pray a lot. Okay. I used to pray a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, my gosh, my God, you know, my God, please help me, please this. But I i don't know. I've come. I mean, I still believe in my God because my higher power. But now that I'm in like this state of mind for, for a few years now, now that I'm at peace with myself, now that I've done all the work and I continue doing the work, you know, because every day is a learning process. I don't find myself like praying the way I used to pray. You know, now it's like I, 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 I reassure myself and I convince myself and I tell myself that, you know what, today's going to be a great day. You're a good person. Go work hard. Go just be a good guy. That's it. You know, so there's really not much like praying, you know, like before, before I was lost, before I was like, my gosh, please, please, I need your help. And nothing (laughs) happened. It's like, I have to make it happen. So now it's like, I give myself, like I wake up in the morning, every single morning. um, And my girlfriend, she knows it. It's like, I I take time for myself right there when I wake up and I just play the day out, you know, and, and okay, you're going to, you're going to, you know, do this and, and just be you, just be you. Mm -hmm. And that's been, that's been, you know, that's been working for me. It's been, you know, the balance I have in my life now is just incredible. Have you, have you mastered anything in your life? I know you mastered boxing, but like, is there anything like, what do you think you have mastered in this life so far? And what do you think remains a work in progress for you? I I think, I, I literally think life is, is, is a big old work in progress. I think you're always, it's like I play a lot of golf and in golf, you can never master the game. It's impossible because if you shoot a low score, you can always shoot lower. I mean, that's just even Tiger Woods never mastered the game. He can always get better. You can always shoot a better score. And I think life is like that. I think life, you know, no matter what, no matter if you're on top of the mountain, no matter you're you're you have everything you want and you know and life is great and and your family this but there's always something that you can work on whether it's inside whether it's at home whether it's in the office with yourself there's always like like life is just all about just growing and learning and becoming better and good with yourself like i'm i'm always searching to find peace every single day yeah. And you know, it's always, yeah, it's always a learning process. It's always, it's always work every single day. I want to talk about what you mentioned before briefly. You said that at three different times in your life you felt suicidal. 
How did you, and the reason I think it's important is because this is a problem that we're having in epidemic proportions now, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's not the person, it's not the usual suspect. It's not the person who's down on his luck and things that aren't going, you know, it's a lot of times it's somebody who seems like they just have it all and everything's just great. And then, and then boom. So if you could share any wisdom about that, how did you work your way out of that dark place? Wow, it took a lot of lot of work, a lot of a lot of ups and downs, and that's why I say I'm I'm just I'm very fortunate to just be alive, you know, because it could have ended quickly and easy at any point of my life. I think I think the number one rule that people should consider is is to put yourself first. You know, I think I think back then when I was pleasing everybody else and even kids today they want to please their schoolmates, they want to they have the pressure of being cool, they have the pressure of like, you know, oh, I my family has money and this and that and when something happens they snap, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz they handle the pressure. I think that if you if you think about yourself first and put yourself first and make yourself happy first, then everything everything will will unfold everything will be then everything else is manageable you know everything else is a bit easier to handle but you have to do that work for yourself you have to you have to really sit down with yourself and ask yourself the tough questions you know it's all it's all about communication So what did you guys think? There were a lot of questions that I was nervous to ask. I always say a prayer before every interview. And the prayer that I say is, Dear God, please let my questions be received by the person I'm about to speak to in the pure spirit and intention in which they are being asked. And I always ask that the interview will turn out for the highest and best good of everyone involved. And when I say everyone involved, I mean not just myself and the person I'm interviewing, in this case is Oscar De La Hoya, but also you, the person who is tuning in and listening to or watching the interview. I hope that it acts as a conduit for everybody's greatest and highest good. So again, you have to tune into this two-part documentary about Oscar De La Hoya. It's called The Golden Boy. It premieres on July 24th. I believe the premiere time is 9 p.m. either Eastern or Pacific time, and you can catch it on HBO. You can also catch it on their streaming service, Max. And you could follow Oscar on Instagram, at Oscar De La Hoya. You could follow me on Instagram, at the Allison Kugel. And I will catch you guys on the next go-around. Peace.